following story I heard from a very famous Rav. His name was Rav Hendel. He was the Rav in Montreal. And he heard it from another very famous Rav in Poland. His name was Rybiecheskel Fagin. The story goes like this. The Baal Shem Tov, when he was younger, before he became famous, you know, there was a time when the Baal Shem Tov didn't want anybody to know that he's a great tzaddik. He pretended to be totally ignorant. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't even know how to daven. He made himself and pretended that he's like totally like a, like a stupid person. Doesn't know anything. But really, he was a great tzaddik that knew the whole Torah. And Eliyahu Navi would come to him secretly and learn with him all the very, very, very difficult, deep secrets of the Torah. But he didn't want anybody to know. He wanted people to think that he's just a simple and very unlearned man. At that time, the Baal Shem Tov had two little children and a wife. He lived in a very poor old shack. A shack is like a little house that can fall apart and fall down any minute because it's so old. The Baal Shem Tov was very poor in those days, very poor. But there was one woman, a lady, she owned a farm. The farm was outside the city. She had a big farm with a big field with lots of cows and chickens. And the cows, she would milk those cows. She would have a lot of milk from the cows. When you have a lot of milk, you can also make cheese. You can make butter and yogurt, cream cheese, all kinds of things you can make from milk. She also had a lot of chickens, so she had a lot of eggs. And what did she do with all this butter and cheese and milk and eggs that she had? She would go and sell them. Where did she go? She went into the town where the Alter Rebbe, where the Baal Shem Tov lived, <clears throat> and there was a marketplace in the middle of the town where all the farmers would come from the farms around the city, and they would come and sell everything they had, and the lady would come once a week and sell all her milk and butter and cheese that she made on her farm, and all the eggs that her chickens had laid, and she would sell them every week, and she made quite a bit of money. She was a good business. She made money. Now, this lady was Jewish, and she had a feeling deep inside of herself that said, oh, this Baal Shem Tov, this Jew, that everybody thinks is so stupid and ignorant, he doesn't know anything, I think he's a very special person. He just doesn't want to tell anybody. And I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I can see he's very special. And I see he's very poor. So you know what? Probably his children don't, don't have enough food to eat. So when I come into town to bring all my butter and cheese and milk and bread and eggs to the, to the marketplace, I will stop by in front of the house of the Baal Shem Tov and I will put down 
some eggs and some cheese and some milk, enough for the whole week. So the Baal Shem Tov and his wife and children would have plenty of milk and cheese and, and, and um, eggs for the whole week. And she would put it down in front of the door and then go away quickly. She didn't want the Baal Shem Tov to see that she's the one who's putting all those special things for free. She would give them as a gift, as a present to the Baal Shem Tov, but she did it every single week. But the Baal Shem Tov knew everything because he was a tzaddik. He had Ruach HaKadosh. He could see everything that happens. So he knew that this woman is the one who's always putting eggs and cheese and milk and butter and everything in front of the, in front of the door. And so the Washington was very, very happy. You know that giving tzedakah is a big mitzvah. Helping poor people, giving them food is a big mitzvah. You know what's the biggest mitzvah? When you give tzedakah without anybody knowing that you're giving. Because when you give tzedakah and everybody knows you gave so much nice tzedakah, then everybody's going to say, yeah, you're such a great person, you're such a tzaddik. And everybody gives you covet and honor, and you feel good. Ah, people think I'm such a great person. And then the mitzvah of tzedakah is not so beautiful. If you want to make the mitzvah of tzedakah really beautiful, it's like a diamond. You know, a diamond, if it's dirty, it doesn't shine. But when you take a diamond, take off all the dirt and make it beautiful, that it shines so beautifully. People put on their rings, on their necklaces, and it looks so beautiful. You want a mitzvah to shine like a diamond, then don't do it because you want people to be nice to you, people to give you a lot of honor and covet. You do it only because it's a mitzvah of Hashem. And this woman wanted to do the mitzvah in the most perfect way. So she didn't want the Baal Shem Tov to know that she's the one who's giving him all this stuff. And she didn't want anybody to know. So she would go quietly and tippy-toe from her wagon to the door of the Baal Shem Tov's house and put it early in the morning, like, so nobody's awake, and she put down the eggs and the cheese and the milk and all this stuff for the whole week, and then she would quickly run to her wagon and rode right away. She would ride to the market, and nobody would know, but the Baal Shem Tov as a tzaddik knew everything, as I told you before. So, this woman was a very special woman. She was a tzaddikist. She did such big mitzvahs. And she helped the Baal Shem Tov, such a holy tzaddik. She saved him and his family. They shouldn't have to starve. Then one day, something happened, something terrible. You know that in Russia, when it, in the winter, there's a lot of snow. And when it snows a lot, a lot of the snow goes everywhere. It goes down on the streets, in the fields, but also on the mountains, on top of the mountains. Now the snow freezes and stays frozen for the whole winter. But at the end of the winter, what happens? The weather gets better and nicer and warmer. The sun comes out, it's becoming almost summer. And the summer is very warm. What happens when it's very warm? The snow begins to melt and when it melts, it just flows into the lakes, into the rivers, into the ocean. That's nice. 
But what happens to the snow that's on top of the mountains? Oh, those snow, but that snow, there's a lot of snow, like three feet of snow, tons and tons of snow, and it starts melting. What happens? Then it turns into a flood because all that snow that's melting on top of the mountain starts rushing down quickly down into the valley where all the houses are and can be dangerous. Now, in the town where the Baal Shem Tov lived, there was such a mountain. And the mountain was next to a river. And the river had a bridge. People who wanted to go over the river, they can go on the bridge. But the police and the mayor and everybody in the town would tell people, don't go over the bridge at the end of the winter when it starts getting warm again. You know why? Because look at that mountain that's right next to the bridge. If it starts, all the snow on top of the mountain starts melting down, what's going to happen? There's going to be a huge flood of water from the melted snow, and they're all going to rush over the bridge. And anybody that's at that moment, at that time on the bridge, what's going to happen? A huge flood comes, and they throw you into the river. And the river is going wild because there's so much water coming from the mountains, and the person could drown. So they would say, listen, certain times of the month of the year don't go on that bridge because that's the time when the snow melts on top of the mountains and you can the water can come suddenly very quickly and and rush over the bridge and and push everybody into the into the river and then the person could drown but this woman she didn't listen so when she came to the market one week Although there was a big sign that said, don't cross the river now, this is a dangerous time, because look, it's the end of the winter, and it's getting warmer, and the sun and sun is coming out, and the snow is melting, and look, there's going to be any minute now, there's going to be a huge rush of a lot of water from the melted snow coming over the bridge, and it's very dangerous, don't go on the bridge, don't go on the bridge. But she said, eh, it's not going to happen now, I'm going to go over the bridge, and the water will come later. But boy, was she wrong. As soon as she got onto the bridge, suddenly a huge amount of water kept rushing down from the mountain so quickly that before she can get off the bridge, the water came right on the bridge and the entire place was flooded with a huge amount of water. And the lady and her wagon and all the butter and the milk and the eggs she had on that wagon fell into the river, and the river was, there's so much water in the river, and so much wild water, water that was going woo, woo, and waves, and it's very hard to come out of the river like that, and the water kept pushing her down, and unfortunately, she died. That was so sad. When the Baal Shem Tov heard this, he was so sad and so upset. Here's this woman, she's such a tzedekist. She gave, she helped the Baal Shem Tov and his wife and children to, to survive, to live, to have food to eat. And she did this every week and she didn't want anybody to know. And now she died such a terrible death. Baal Shem Tov gets so upset. He said to Hashem, Hashem, please make this river that drowned this lady, let's punish this river. 
there will be never water going through that river again. I want that river to dry up. It will be just like a piece of ground, dry, dry ground. No more water in that river because the water in that river did a terrible thing. Now, when a big tzaddik says to Hashem, please, Hashem, do something, Hashem listens. But then came a malach in Shemaim and said to Hashem, Hashem, why should the river dry up? Now, this malach was the malach that was in charge of the river. You know, everything in the world. You see a tree, you see an animal, you see even a fly. Every creation in the world has a malach in Shemaim, a very holy malach that looks after that thing, making sure that everything is good. So every river has a malach. Even a blade of grass, a tiny little leaf of grass in the field. And there are billions and millions of them, but every single one of them has a separate malach in Shemaim. And that malach makes sure that that grass is, is, is healthy and good and nobody, you know, destroys it. It's, it's a special malach. That, now this river was, had a malach, and that malach came complaining to Hashem. Why should my river that I am in charge of get dry? Why should it lose all its water? That's terrible. Why, why do that? Just because this lady drowned? This lady drowned because she wasn't careful. It's her fault. She shouldn't have crossed the river when it says a big sign, don't cross the river, it's very dangerous. She didn't listen. And the Baal Shem Tov was very upset because she helped him. Of course he was upset because this lady gave him a lot of food. So why should we listen to the Baal Shem Tov? Of course he's upset because this lady gave him food. But that's not a reason for that river to be punished. That river didn't do anything wrong. It was the lady who shouldn't have crossed the river. And it was decided in Shemaim. On the one hand, if a tzaddik says, then Hashem is going to do it. Because Hashem always listens to tzaddikim. Always listens to tzaddikim. That's why we go to tzaddikim. We ask them for a bracha. If he's something wrong, somebody is sick, somebody doesn't have any money, you go to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe gives a bracha, and Hashem listens. That's why we go to a Rebbe, to a tzaddik. So if a tzaddik says, Hashem listens. On the other hand, the malach is also right. Why should the river be punished? The river didn't do anything wrong. It was the lady's fault. So Hashem decided the river is going to have to dry up. But the Baal Shem Tov could never, never, never use that river, that place where the river used to be, as a shortcut. You know what a shortcut means? So when you want to cross from one side to the other side, and if there's a river of water in the middle, you can't cross it unless there's a bridge. But what if the river dries up? Then you can just drive right through because there's no more water there. It's very, very comfortable. It makes it very easy to go from one place to the other because you can just cross right away because there's no water there. Well, the Baal Shem Tov cannot do that. He cannot make it easy for himself and cross the place where the water used to be because that means that he is going to enjoy his own 
making, something which he made himself, he's the one who made the river dry up, then he's not allowed to um, you know, use it for himself. Other people can cross that place since there's no water now. But the Balshemda may never cross that place. Never. And what happens if he does? Then the water is going to come flowing back from the mountains straight into the river. And it's going to be overflowing with a lot of water. And the river is going to be flowing with water again. And the Balshemta would fall into the water from all the water that's coming down suddenly into that river, into the place where the river was. And the Balshemta will fall into the water and the water will be able to drown him. So the Balshemta should never cross there. But not only that, it was decided in Shemaim, not only the Balshemtov cannot cross that place, but his children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, the Balshemtov must tell his family, none of them should ever cross that place where the river used to be. Even though there's no water there now, you can cross easily. Don't do it because Hashem said that if the Balshemtov's children and grandchildren ever cross that place, the waters will keep coming quickly, rushing by, and they can even drown him. So the Baal Shem Tov wrote this in a letter, and they want to make sure that all his children know about this letter, and they listen to it, and they teach it to their children, don't ever go there, it's very dangerous for you. Other people can go, but we, we cannot go. Now, years passed by, and the Baal Shem Tov was nostalgic. The Baal Shem Tov passed away. And his son, the Baal Shem Tov had a son, his name was Reb Tzvi. Reb Tzvi was a very big tzaddik. And Reb Tzvi um, was a great tzaddik, but he also he loved a bris. Whenever there was a bris anywhere, anywhere, in any city, if they invited him to come to the bris, he would go, no matter when it was, he would go to the other city to be at the bris. And people would invite him not just to come to the bris, but to also hold the baby. As you know, the sandek. What is a sandek? It's the person that gets a special honor to hold the baby on his lap, and he's sitting next to Eliyahu and Navi, and then the moil, you know, does the bris, which is a big mitzvah. So it's a very big honor. You only honor great, great rabbanim, tzaddikim with being sandek. So many people wanted Reb Tzvi to be a sandek for their baby during the bris. And Reb Tzvi would always accept the invitation. He would always go to a bris. Once he was invited to a bris that was going to be taking place on a Sunday morning in a city far away. Reb Tzvi wanted to leave on Matzei Shabbos. So when you leave Matzei Shabbos, since it's a long road, the city is far away. He is going to eventually arrive in the morning when the bris starts so the Reb Tzvi could be the sandek and hold the baby on his lap during the bris. Reb Tzvi decided to leave late Matzah Shabbos. He had a wagon, he had a horse, and he had a wagon driver. Ivan, Ivan was his name, was a Russian guy. He took care of Reb Tzvi's horses. And whenever Reb Tzvi had to go somewhere, he would sit on top, right behind the horses, and he would whip the horses and make the horses go fast, 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 so that Reb Tzvi could get to his place where he needs to go. And so they went that side, that Matzah Shabbos. Right after Shabbos, the Reb Tzvi made Avdala, 
and prepared for this trip. They went to this far place, far city, where Rebzvi will be the Sandik, where for the special bris. And it was very late at night. It was really two o'clock, late, late at night, and two o'clock. And Rebzvi closed his eyes because he was a big tzaddik. He wanted to think about words of Torah. You know, I didn't want to waste time. You know, it's not good to waste time and do nothing. You're in a car, you walk down the street, you always memorize something from the Torah and you say, right, if you know Shema, say Shema Bahat. You know the Psukim, say the Psukim Bahat. It's a big mitzvah to say words of Torah and Psukim wherever you go, in the street, because you're making the street holier, making the street cleaner. It becomes a much more special place because of the words of Torah and Tefillah. So Reb Tzvi would think about words of Torah when he traveled. So his mind was deep into the learning. He wasn't watching where the wagon was going. Ivan, the Goy, did not know about the special instruction of the Baal Shem Tov that told his children and his grandchildren to never, never, ever cross to the place where the river used to be. So Ivan, without thinking twice, said, oh, we can cross here to get to the other side very quickly. We'll be able to get to the city much faster now because you'll have to go find the bridge. There's no water there anymore, so let me cross quickly to the other side. But just as they hit the bottom of where the river used to be, suddenly, out of nowhere, a huge amount of water came rushing down quickly into the river and filled the river with so much water, and the water was so wild and rushing. And Reb Tzvi and the wagon and the wagon driver, everybody fell into the river. And the water was so wild and so, you know, jumping up and down, everything, the waves, and they were pushing everybody down. And Reb Tzvi realized he's going to drown. And he, for a moment, realized, oh, no, I forgot to tell Ivan not to cross this place, and now I know why it's happening. And Reb Tzvi realized he made a mistake. He was not paying attention to where Ivan is taking the horses and the wagon. Then, as Reb Tzvi started saying, Shema Yisrael Hashem Balakeinu, Hashem Echad, he said, oh, no, Hashem, Please, I'm doing tshuva, I'm going to die. But then Reb Tzvi sees it's pitch dark outside, it's the middle of the night, but he sees a light, a tiny light from far away that's getting closer to him and closer and very close and very close. And when the light gets very close to him, he sees, what does he see? His father, the Baal Shem Tov, who was already in Gan Eden. He was not alive anymore, but his neshama came from Gan Eden to save his son. And the Baal Shem Tov, the neshama of the Baal Shem Tov came and appeared like a light. And he reached out to Reb Tzvi, pulled him out of the water and put him down on the side so he wouldn't drown. And Reb Tzvi was saved by his father. And so did the wagon and the horses who also pulled out of the water. And Rebzvi was so shocked, he almost drowned. Look what happened. His father, the, the great tzaddik, the Baal Shem Tov, had to come from Gan Eden, all the way down here in the world to pull him out. 
He was so shocked. He didn't go to the bris. He told Ivan, listen, we're going to go back home tonight. I can't go to the bris. I'm wet and soaking. We were in the water. And I'm still so shocked that we almost died. Let's go back home. They went back home and they arrived like 4 o'clock in the morning. So extremely late. Rebzi went to sleep a little bit. He didn't want to miss Shachis. Shachis was in the morning at, 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 at 7 o'clock. So he went to sleep for a few hours. And as he falls asleep, he has a dream. And in his dream, he sees his father again. And his father says, my son, Tzvi, what did you do? Didn't I tell you to never cross this place? Because the water is going to come and drown you. You're lucky I came to save you. And then his father said to him like this, you know, I'm, I haven't been in Gan Eden for so long. Gan Eden is such a pure, holy place. This world compared to Gan Eden is like a smelly place, a disgusting place. It's like going into a, a stable full of cows that make on the floor. And it smells because for an Ishama, to come down into this world where people do so many averes, the Neshama like, I can't stand it. And the Baal Shem Tov said to his son, if I knew how hard it is for an Neshama that has been so close to Hashem for so long in Gan Eden, how hard it is for such an Neshama to come into the world, if I knew in advance how difficult it would be for me, I would not have come down to take you out because it was too difficult. It was so painful for me to do this. But I came anyways. But I don't know if I can come again. So please, watch out. Don't make this mistake ever, ever again. And this is the end of the story about the great Chassid and the great Mashpia. Um, Reb Cheskel Fagin, when he heard, when he told the story, he said, can you imagine the Baal Shem Tov's neshama, there was such a Halikya neshama, such a holy neshama, that even his neshama to come into the world is so hard. Even though for such holy neshamas, being in this world, the, the world doesn't affect them. Because they're so holy, that the world doesn't mean anything to them. But nevertheless, it was hard how much more so would be hard for a regular neshama, who is not the neshama of a big tzaddik, would be even harder to come into the world once you've been in Gan Eden. Have a good night.